Hello, my friends, and welcome again to the Deeper Daily Podcast. I'm your host, Paul White. It is the 10th day of April, the Lord's Day, and as what we believers call Sunday, the day that we celebrate the, well, perpetually, honestly, the Lord's Day is the perpetual celebration of new creation, resurrection, all things made new, all the things that make Christianity what it is, not some system of morality or principle-based living, not a code for making the world a better place. Although moral living is going to come out of us and we do have principles and I, the kingdom will undoubtedly make the world a better place, all of which is true, but none of which define who we are. Who we are are the believers in a resurrected Jesus and we follow him allowing his resurrection to work in us. The Lord's Day is a representative of that. We get one every week. And it I know it's not as if I'm more saved on a Sunday than a Monday. Um, I, I, my local meetings with our group, we actually do on Tuesday nights. So it's not about, it's not even about the day we meet, but we honor the idea of a resurrection with that Lord's Day, that a brand new week begins. And it's indicative in some ways of a brand new beginning for all of us. So I celebrate new beginnings. We are one week away from Easter. This is an amazing week on the Christian calendar as each day we anticipate more and more the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus and what that not only meant historically or within the context of his time, but what that continues to mean to all of us. And I am not going to miss the opportunity this week to take you on that journey right here on the podcast. Today, I and I really kind of wanted to be done with Genesis coming into Easter week so that I could deal with Easter week, but I'm not going to do that. Instead, what I'm going to do is try and bring you all the way up to the at least the 48th chapter of Genesis, which will be where Jacob blesses his sons and his grandsons And then the 49th chapter is the last words to his sons. I think those podcasts will take two or three or four days to get through, maybe more. So I think we're going to save them until after Easter. So we're going to finish 47 today and then take a look at crucifixion and resurrection all week long as we head into the Easter season. So there'll be a little pause here. And I was hoping to be done with Genesis so it wouldn't have to be a pause. We could just have a transition, but that didn't happen. Okay. I'm at the ch- a chapter that is a little difficult to deal with. Let me explain what I mean. Chapter 47 of Genesis seems pretty straightforward. Joseph has been put into power in Egypt. His brothers have come down in to li- live in the land of Goshen. He situates in verse 11. It's the word it uses. He situated his father and his brothers. He gave them possession in the land of Egypt and the land of Ramses. Uh, He provides for his fathers and his brothers and all of his father's household with bread. And then in verse 13, Joseph deals with the famine. And if you take verse 13 to verse 26, and you lifted them out of Genesis 47, and you just put them into any other context, you change Joseph's name to something else. You change the land of Egypt to a different country. You could easily be retelling the story of totalitarian governments. In fact, 
the story of Joseph from Genesis 47, 13 to 26. Joseph, as he deals with Egypt, the famine, the Egyptian people and the Egyptian economy, you could call it, say, China 1949. You could probably call it Stalin circa 1930s. It is a, and I'm not in any way saying Joseph is that person, but I I tried to explain that by saying if you change the names, lifted it out of the chapter context and just dropped it into a history book, you're describing the total state takeover of an economy. Joseph is in charge of the bread and to parcel out the, fan, the, the bread and the grain, he brings in money. The Egyptians buy it. When that fails, he offers to give bread in exchange for livestock. When that runs out, he offers to give bread in exchange for property. When that runs out, he offers to give bread in exchange for servanthood, indentured slavery. And when that runs out, or that gets them through. And then... He allots the land back to the people and allows them to take 80% of what they get and give 20% to the state. Now, I realize that percentage is absurdly high for totalitarian governments or communist governments. It wouldn't give, they wouldn't allow you to keep 80%. So that's been some people's justification here is to go, oh, well, Joseph did what he had to do, but he was charitable. Um, I want to give you several thoughts here and, and, and kind of machine gun them at you quickly and let you land somewhere. Thought process number one, Joseph saves the lives of the Egyptian people from famine. That's a fact. In doing so, he indentures them to a servanthood that comes back to bite his own people because live by the sword, die by the sword. The servanthood slash slavery that Joseph instituted in Egypt will become the slave holder over his own people in the next generation. And that could be a principle. Watch out. What you inflict will be what comes back to you. Um, Here's another thought. That what Joseph does is by the hand of God to save a generation of Egyptians, but God wants to indenture the Hebrew people in Egypt so that they will understand the stranger when they become the overlord. We see that play out through the Old Testament. And here's another one worth thinking about. If Joseph is ever a type of Christ, maybe he is a type of Christ in this, that when you come to Christ to receive his bread, what it costs you is everything you have. And you see it play out in stages in Genesis 47. Money, possessions, land, life. Jesus would say in Luke 14, 33, if a man wants to be my disciple, he must sell all of his possessions and follow me. What's that mean? Well, that's what we just aired on our weekend sermon today. uh, The crazy initiative of grace. What's it cost to follow him? Whatever you got. And that could be another way of viewing this. And then there's a vow between Jacob and Joseph. Um, Jacob lives in the land of Egypt 17 years, lives 147 years. And when it comes time to die, um, he promises, Joseph promises 
his father that he won't bury him in Egypt uh, and that they'll carry him to his burying place and he swears and that's the promise. Okay, that'll lead us into chapter 48, which we'll do after the Easter week. We're going to get going on that tomorrow. Have a great day. God bless.